0: In the year 2000, cinematic history was about to be made. Okay, so, uh...
1: Batman vs. Superman. Big no. Resounding massive. Couldn't be any bigger no. No one is ever going to want to see that movie. Yeah, you go ahead and shop that around, bub. (coughs) Uh... These goddamn dumb ideas are making me nuts. Okay, let's, uh, see, uh... Mr, uh... Lee? Oh, great. Not Spike Lee again. Spike Lee, baby! You,
0: uh, well,
1: you've, uh, you've changed a
0: bit. For one thing, you're Chinese now. I'm not Spike Lee, Mr. Producer. My name is Ang Lee. Oh,
1: uh, right. That would explain the whole, um... Anyway, what do you do, uh,
0: Mr. Lee? Well, I'd like to tell you about a movie I'd like to make with your studio. Uh
1: Uh-huh. That's what brings most of the riffraff through my door. So, uh, what kind of movie are you peddling, Mr. Lee? Another Mallrats movie or My Name is Earl the movie or something? That's Jason Lee. I'm Ang Lee. Oh, right, right. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. So many of you Lees in Hollywood, uh, you must have a big family.
0: Uh... Anyway, my film is a wuxia fantasy epic that takes place in Qing Dynasty, China.
1: Okay, so you want to make one of them wushu Hong Kong kung fu movies? Like, uh, wait,
0: uh, was your name Bruce? Ugh, no. Bruce Lee is dead. Neither am I Brandon Lee, Christopher Lee, Lee Harvey Oswald, or a pair of Lee jeans. The name was Ang Lee. Ang Lee. Lee. Okay, 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 Mr. Ang Lee.
1: Don't get your friggin' beret in a bundle. Just tell me about this Wushu movie you want to do. Now, what's it called?
0: Well, it is an adaptation of the classic novel Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon.
1: Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. Ah, uh, that's kind of nice. It has a good sound to it. Exciting! Well, I'm glad you agree. So, how many tigers are we talking here? What? Is it just one tiger crouching, or are there a whole bunch of them? Guild rules say we gotta have at least one trainer on set for every four wild animals. But for the big cats, you need double that.
0: (sighs) There aren't any actual tigers in this movie, Mr. Producer. The Crouching Tiger and Hidden Dragon are metaphors for- No
1: dragons neither? What'll our special effects boys do? How are we gonna compete with the other summer blockbusters? No tigers, no dragons? How do we put butts in the seats-
0: at least tell me I got some explosions. This isn't really that kind of a movie. It's more of a thoughtful romance piece about hidden feelings of love among a group of heroic warriors and villains. Okay,
1: I, uh, suppose we could wake the sex angle. W- wait what? Although I think we still need to add a little pizzazz to the project. Let's go full taboo. Uh, what do you think of calling this, uh, working title, uh... Crotchy Tiger, Hidden Drag Queen. I'm taking my movie somewhere else.
2: In a world where the human race has nearly unlimited access to all forms of media, mankind faces its greatest enemy. I've come for vengeance. A looming threat at that. What is that? A paralyzing choice. You have eight choices. Choose correctly, and I cannot be held responsible for your suffering. Is the next movie in my queue good or bad?
0: Hey, do you guys want to watch Geely?
2: A war that threatens our very existence. We have come to take over your world. And it will be fought over cows uh one podcast dares to make sense of it all so you don't have to this is the sacred cows podcast and now welcome
0: your hosts hey everybody it's pete hi i'm mike
2: thanks, thanks to disembodied, disembodied voice guy, guy.
0: Say, disembodied voice guy. Yes, Pete? Did you like this movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Eh, it was fine.
3: A passionate response if I have ever heard
1: one. Of course, I liked it a lot better when it was called
0: Real Life. You'll probably have to explain that remark.
1: Well, I did a short 400-year stint at Wudang.
0: I did not expect that answer.
1: I was working on my mad Wu-Tang skills, doing that weird bald-in-front-ass-length braid-in-the-back hairstyle, learning that belly dance move when someone punches
0: you in the stomach. Uh, not that you had hair or stomach at the time. How would you know? I've been keeping up on your mythos, I think. Just keep talking.
1: Anyway, I was never one of the popular students. People kind of steered clear, if you know what I mean. Probably on the count of me hanging out with Jade Fox too much. And telling the other students that they should make a wish and jump off the mountain. Well, if your friends told you to jump off a mountain, would you? Apparently, for a lot of them, the answer was yes. So many of them, in fact, that I graduated as the valedictorian ass-kicker in my class of one.
0: Well, that's a charming little story for the future disembodied voice guy wiki page. Welcome to the
3: Sacred Cows Podcast, the podcast where we talk about movies that are 10 years older or longer, at least most of the time. I'm Mike. And I'm Pete. And today we're here to talk to you about the 2000 Ang Lee movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon.
0: That's right. A classic of yesterdecade. And I'm sure you all remember it. Very influential movie. And we are going to take a look back at it today to see if it is quite as exciting as everybody found it uh, 16 years ago. Jeez, 16 years ago. I know, right? When I look at movies from the year 2000 or 2001, and it, it, that was 15 years ago, I'm just like, jeez, oh, this is what old people feel like, because I'm <laughs> one of them.
3: Yes, that DVD looks so grainy. <laughs>
0: I know, right? It didn't
3: didn't upscan very well. Basically, what we're going to do here is we're gonna uh, first talk about like the history of the movie. You know your uh, your facts and and things about the directors, the making of, and all that cool stuff. Uh, then uh, we go into our personal history about the movie. Uh, then we talk about the the recent viewing experience and any baggage that we have uh, regarding the movie. And after that, we spoil the hell out of the movie, and finally, we make a decision as to whether the movie is sacred or not.
0: That's right, and you can all follow along with us at home, or in the car, or wherever you may be, because we know that uh, we, we pick a lot of movies that we hope the vast majority of you out there have nostalgia for, and so we can just kind of take this journey together.
3: So with that, let's get right into
0: the history of this movie. <laughs> All right, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. What do you know about this movie, Mike? Um,
3: not a lot. I know it came out in the year two thousand. It was directed by Ang Lee. Uh,
0: it's starring Chow Yun-fat. Yep, Chow Yun-fat. Uh it's actually a cast of all han chinese actors you've got chow yun fat who you know has some american penetration i believe uh michelle yo i've seen her once or twice maybe in like a jackie chan movie way back in the day (sighs) i'm gonna say this wrong Zhang zi zi i I most often see it as Zhang zi yi Zhang Ziyi, okay. Uh, but you will recognize her certainly as the uh, the young Asian actress who was in absolutely everything immediately following this movie. Like, she was in everything. Seriously, everything.
3: i got to be honest, I, I don't remember her in a lot of things, but um, I will take your word on it. And I'm, I know it's one of those things where as soon as I see uh, the movie title or something or the poster, it'll be like,
0: oh, yeah. I believe it was immediately following or, like, uh, contemporary to this, she was in Rush Hour 2. Oh, yes. She, uh, See? <laughs> she was in the kind of the spiritual successor to this movie. I think it was called like House of Flying Daggers. I yes. believe she was in that. Um, she turned up in Memoirs of a Geisha along with Michelle Yeoh, uh, two Chinese actors playing Japanese geishas. I guess they thought Americans were too stupid to notice. I remember or that
3: being a criticism, yes.
0: Yep, yep. So, um, and I guess that's all I can think of off the top of my head, but she literally seemed to be turning up in just about everything I was watching during that decade that called for, you know, an Asian actress to be in it. Interesting. So those, I guess, would be the main three uh, actors with uh, recognizability, I suppose.
3: Well, um, I guess I have some other more uh, making of history of this type this movie. Sure, sure. So, sure. so um, the film was made in Beijing. Um, they were location shooting in, I'm going to butcher these, but uh, Anhui, Hebei, Jiangsu, and Xinjiang provinces of China. And I'm sure, I'm sure I that apologize to anybody who speaks <laughs> uh, proper Chinese of whatever um, dialect that happens to be, but uh, you know, we're true when no, we can no, here.
0: It's all good. You know, it's interesting that this was a joint like a international uh effort, this film. It was uh Chinese, American, Taiwanese and Hong Kong uh I guess studios and professionals all working together on this film. Well, so this gonna f- be
3: really crazy. It's also Japanese was funding it because Sony Pictures Classics fronted some money. So,
0: sure, sure. No, that that's that's interesting. So this I think this movie was always um while it is uh filmed and 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 unfolds in the style of I guess a traditional uh Chinese movie or something like that, I think it was always kind of destined to have more uh, of an international appeal built into it for that specific reason, you know, marketability across borders and that kind of thing.
3: This film is kind of targeted at Western audiences um, more so than it was targeted at people that are already used to the uh, wuxia films. Um, Right. So uh, it was easier to to deal with the fact that um, the accents of the main actors in the movie were, were slightly different. There was a lot of, uh Ang Lee yes. worked with them a lot on it to make it, um, you know, more seamless for those that were, mm-hmm. you know, used to native speaking of, of what he was going for.
0: And actually I read because, um, because all of the actors t- are technically not, well, some of them are fl- uh, Native Mandarin speakers. Zhang Ziyi
3: but was, was was the only one. Zhang
0: Ziyi was, but Chow Yun Fat, I believe, Cantonese, and Michelle Yo actually, um, an English speaker from Malaysia, still Chinese, but uh, yes. but not not fluent in the language. And I remember reading, I don't remember where, that that was one of the biggest criticisms that Chinese audiences had about the movie was that the accents sounded, you know, wrong, basically.
3: Right, but the point of the movie was to tell the story, and you know the subtitles helped for international audiences. Um, uh, it was still the actors speaking in their own uh, selves, so it, there was no sort of um, um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, emotion em- emoting barrier, you know, because right. of that. Although um, Ang Lee has stated that basically
0: uh, they did a lot of takes, you know, especially on dialogue. Yes, yes, that was one of the things he had to stop the camera for frequently, mm-hmm. but um, but like you said, to Western audiences, it's it's hardly noticeable. And um, I I've seen this movie many times in both the original dialogue and the English dub, and I have to say, the English dub is not is not you know half bad. It's not bad. So if you want to watch it either way, um, the English dub is another option for you. I think
3: this is another. Movie that's notable for its score, uh, its score being in uh, native Chinese s- style music. Um, mm-hmm. yep, there's some solo passages played by Yo Yo Ma. Yeah, it's it's one of those, it's a good listen on its own.
0: Yeah, I, I, I found the uh music in this movie rather striking. I agree. So, um but yeah, other than that, I mean, this movie was made for uh this movie was made for an astoundingly low budget of 17 million dollars, if you can believe that, which um I didn't realize until I read that the uh basically the international gross for this movie was about 200 million and I was like, "Oh, so it was a flop." Well, no, not if you only spent 17 million on it. I no, bet you it, they spent
3: It was kind bet of they a s- spent a
0: ton of money on marketing it to, you know, Multinational um, audiences, but
3: right. No, it it was one of those that ended up being um, kind of a slow burn at first, and then you know picked up steam, uh, did really well, and then uh, you know kind of uh, did the whole bell curve.
0: Right, and and I believe it remains popular to this day. I mean, we've we've probably bought our current copy within the last three or four years, so people are still buying it. I feel like it resides in many people's DVD libraries.
3: Yes, uh, that's how I watched it, too. And it's popular enough Absolutely. that they made a sequel to the film um, that's called Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. It's exclusively a Netflix original movie. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not very well regarded. It doesn't include no, all of the same actors, and um, we probably won't be going into it here because I haven't seen it. Have you
0: seen it, Pete? I, I haven't seen it either, but I did see i read about it and i did see that donnie yen is the star of it the uh the new star i guess and i am intrigued to see it just for that reason
3: yeah so all right well well back to crouching tiger a little bit more interesting history of course is that it um it won an academy award or actually um several Academy Awards. It won Best Foreign Language F- Film, Best Art Direction, Best Original Score, and Best Cinematography. It was also nominated for uh, like Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Song, Best
0: Costume Design,
3: Best Film Editing. So,
0: yeah... Yeah, this movie definitely uh garnered some notice from the various award bodies out there, agencies for movies. Um it's uh it's an artistic movie. It's uh, drama and um yeah, it's not sci-fi, so they they decided they would take a look at it based on that, I think. And um, it, it, it did well. It did very well. And it continues to be a very influential uh, foreign language film in the United States, uh, perhaps one of the most influential foreign language films, uh, period, in this country. So it's something. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, Pete, do you have anything else about the history of this film? Oh, no, no. I think I'm ready to talk about personal history. Well, let's go to it then. Tell Tell me about it. Uh, personal history, you know, I remember seeing the first time I saw this movie, I was called into somebody's dorm room to check <laughs> out their yeah, to check out their awesome sweet audio visual setup of a flat screen tube TV a flat screen tube widescreen TV and like All of these huge stereo components for sound and stuff like that, and the movie that they decided to play to show this off was uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and I don't remember much about that TV other than a flat tube TV in this day and age would just be ridiculous, but um, I just remember thinking, wow... Yeah, yeah, and I was just like, wow, this movie is incredible. Never seen anything like it. The uh, the wire work was something I'd never seen before. The fighting, you know, usually a a sword fight in a movie is like, you know, two people with these paper, or these like paperclip thin rapiers just kind of doing the same motion over and over again, (laughs) and this was like actual fighting. It looked really good, in my opinion.
3: This was the same year that we would get our, our, our Lord of the Rings on, Actually. Yep, Absolute.
0: absolutely, absolutely that was that was one year later actually but it was you know same era so yeah
3: this was more the the one of the very first good sword fighting movies you're right
0: right and i remember after this movie came out all of a sudden um every movie that had fighting in it had like this this choreography director uh like they they would make a big deal about that like no starring the choreography by the coaching tiger hidden dragon master you know so and so and um, this this style of fighting, uh, camera fighting and wire work, became very popular in the industry right around this time. So,
3: well, I mean, this was also a year after The Matrix, so which was you know widely considered to be one of the the first good movies in Western release of, of actual decent fighting.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that totally. So this was just like, well, you know, plus I've always, I've always been kind of a sucker for Kung Fu movies and that kind of thing. So this was just like right up my alley at the time. Okay. So Mike, Mike, your history with this movie? I have to admit, I, I, um,
3: I own the movie and I watched the Mm -hmm. movie once on my DVD player and I I think i watched it with my friends on like uh probably we did a movie showing thing at the dorms at my college where me and a bunch of other guys there was a giant um projection tv you know sure. l- like they used to make um
0: right no yeah all the uh, many of the dorms we went to the same college many of the dorms had these in their uh like uh, communal rooms
3: yeah. yeah this was in the basement of, of one of the halls and we put up signs around campus and we had that and like a bunch, three or four other movies. And we would do this once a semester. And we would just, people would come in and we weren't like a campus organization or whatever. We'd just, I'd just hook up a laptop to the TV because my laptop could output and that was so cool. And then yeah. uh, we would watch movies like 12 hours
0: straight watch movies over s video or whatever
3: yes kids uh we used to have to you know finagle these kind of things because dvd players weren't just sitting around everywhere and well no. streaming didn't exist so computers yeah used... you can
0: just stream high definition uh content on your phone that was not a thing
3: you had to plan to show a movie somewhere really <laughs> so
0: <laughs> yeah you're like let's sit down and figure out the logistics of how we're gonna do a movie night Exactly. (laughs) So I ended up uh,
3: buying the DVD because it was um, probably 2001. And uh, the DVD copy I have is a blockbuster video copy that, uh, you know, back when they used to exist, they would sell, they would order a bunch of DVDs right for release. And then they would sell some a couple weeks after release for dirt cheap, which is probably part of the reason, among many other reasons, that they're out of business. Uh, the first reason being Netflix exists, but
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be one. Wow, man, your whole story uh, reads like a history book entry. It's just like you know, it's like all this stuff. You know, I oh, could write again, a you know. book
3: about uh, showing movies and 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 lots of yeah. other fun things with college. So <laughs> you <laughs> could just call day. it
0: what 15 years ago was like, right, <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, right the the, the non golden age of showing movies. Yeah, that's right. Seriously, the friggin' Stone Age. So, so
3: so yeah, that was what I remembered it. And then, honestly, um, you know, I didn't really think about this movie for a long time. I watch a lot of different movies, but this was never on my top of movies list. So, you know, the last, the next time I pulled it out, I think was probably the time that uh, we watched it here. It's just been uh, on my shelf through several different moves, and
0: now it's here. So, so you haven't seen this movie too many times.
3: No, I've seen it, unless I I managed to sneak it in there somewhere, I've seen it exactly three times.
0: Yeah, I I would think that I could probably realistically estimate about ten times having seen it myself um, throughout the years, of course. Um, I think between this movie and, like, Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon, those are kind of pretty seminal uh, Chinese martial arts films uh, in my book. Well, Mike, what about... uh, your recent viewing how did that experience go
3: so my recent viewing experience um honestly i i just had it on in the background while i did other things because i had recently viewed it When disembodied voice guy I had hexed you pete so
0: mm, yep yep that's right yeah I remember so that
3: we had we had prepared to do this movie um instead of uh what what i ended up doing with matthew morris uh batman so um having just freshly watched it and took all sorts of notes and whatever i just watched it again as uh, i was doing other things and kind of you know threw it on there so it was a good viewing experience both times i guess how about you pete good
0: good deal well um yes i i did last watch this movie about a month ago right before i got hexed thank you disembodied voice guy um appreciate that I haven't seen it since then, but when I watched it this last time, I had it pretty down pat. I mean, this is a very nuanced movie. I've seen it many times, but even so, every time I watch it, I, like, rediscover these kind of, like, minute little plot points or, you know, just, like starting to figure out who the heck everybody is in the dialogue and stuff like that a little bit each time and then i forget it and then i rediscover it the time after that so there were some fresh new things some little ah ahas and stuff like that yeah i definitely um, noticed more this time too you're right 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 but it's just kind of gotten to the point now where you can kind of think about the movie you know you've basically got it down and you can just think about the movie a little bit more thematically like holistically at that point so that's kind of where i was on this and uh Yeah, I think I still remember it well enough to talk about it today.
3: Oh, good. Okay. That's probably going to help us. Yeah, so uh, do you have any baggage with this since we're uh, doing that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess um, I kind of considered this to be um, at least as far as martial arts movies went. This was kind of the gold standard for me for a very, very long time. Even though, I mean, it kind of had everything. It had good stunts good effects uh for what limited use there are for these and a good story um and v- i would say very few um films of this genre possess all of those things uh so i considered this one to be kind of like the triple threat the good one uh for a very long time so going into watching it this time i had to try and put that out of my mind a little bit and be objective and you mike what what did you what's your baggage Which um, baggage man
3: Uh, My baggage is I remembered not a lot of it. So it was kind of like a a fresh start for me. I remembered some fights in some trees, and uh, that's about it, you know. So uh, I don't really... Crouching tigers and hidden dragons everywhere. No, I wasn't that bad, but I just just remember it being uh, that, and that's the thing that stuck in my mind most was the wire work. So um, it didn't really... I don't think it affected me positively or negatively because it was so long in between viewings. Not the last two viewings, mind you, but like the previous years. Sure, so sure.
0: I think we're ready to... Talk about Get it. into
3: the massive spoilers then. I think so. Okay, so now is the part of the podcast where we are going to spoil the heck out of the movie. So that means if you want to watch it, and you haven't watched it yet, now's the time that you should stop. Go watch the movie and come back. We'll wait for you.
0: So that it isn't an ancient Chinese secret to you when we discuss it.
3: Yeah, and if you don't want to watch it, uh, you don't need to stop it right now. So that's fine.
0: That's right. Besides, you've probably seen it before enough to know that, um, I don't know, there's like sword fighting in it. All right. We'll give you the count of three to stop it. One, two, three. All right. You didn't stop it, or you did, and you came back. Welcome back. One of those things has transpired, so welcome back to the show.
3: Okay, so, uh, Pete, who's going to do the elevator pitch for this?
0: (sighs) This is going to be a bit of a tough one. uh, If you're willing to take it on, I'm just saying I did it last time. Okay, well, uh, depends on the view you want. So, (laughs) how How about about the 10,000-foot view?
3: Let's go with 10,000 feet. So we've got um, Lee Mubai. He's a hero. He's do- he wants to be done being a hero and, like, rest his sword and retire. And uh, he's in love, sort of secretly, not secretly, because everybody else can see it, with a woman named Shu Len. And uh, she's supposed to bring his sword to uh, Sir T. And he's going to hold on to the sword for ever, and then Limu Bai can retire and just be chill with Shu Lan, and they can finally actually have a life.
0: Yeah, right, like that's gonna
3: happen. (laughs) Uh, Things go wrong when somebody steals the sword. This person turns out to be Jen, who is the daughter of the governor? Governor, daughter of the governor. Yep, daughter of the governor. She turns out to be a real troublemaker stinker, and basically raises a ruckus through the whole movie, meanwhile, um, Li Mubai starts coming back to to fight and and find his sword. He finds an old adversary named Jade Fox who killed his master, so he has to get revenge per the honor code. And um, this whole kerfluffle happens between Jade Fox, Jen, and Li Mubai. And also, there's a boyfriend subplot that actually takes quite a bit of the movie. Um, at the end of the movie, Li Mubai dies. <gasps> Uh, Because of poison darts from Jade Fox, and Jade Fox uh, dies by Jen's hand because she was sort of Jen's teacher, but not really. And, uh, yeah, everybody's real sad. And then Jen jumps off the mountain after she meets her boyfriend up on Wudan Mountain, which I didn't explain much about. But this is the 10,000-foot
0: view. Yeah, for her, too. All the way down. Jeez, you spoiled it, Mike. God. Oh wait, we were supposed to do that. Never mind. Huh. Yep, that's a pretty good uh I mean, hell, considering all of the stuff that happens in this movie, that was a very serviceable elevator pitch.
3: Well, you know, I'm trying to trying to keep it yeah as an elevator pitch. Got it. I have no idea how how Ang Lee actually pitched this movie to tell you the truth.
0: <laughs> uh he probably said, "Oh, you know, it's a uh, it's a sword fighting movie," um which um really is what I think a lot of people remember about this movie, the killer badass fight scenes all over the place, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Then that, you watch the movie, and those are kind of few and far between. It is a lot
3: slower than mm-hmm. my
0: mind gave it credit for. Yeah, or or just longer with less happening in it. How long was this movie? Do we know? Uh, it's like two hours and some change. Two and some change? I mean, you know, for a, a modern movie that's not absurdly long at all but it it did feel like um i don't know it just felt like it went on and they didn't uh they didn't necessarily cram a whole lot in there other than you know dialogue where you had to like have a characters who's who chart kind of with you
3: oh yeah and that that was a there's a lot of characters going on this this seems like the structure of it almost Um, is episodic. It
0: does definitely have segments, certainly. Um, Now, this movie is full of, you know, crouching tigers and hidden dragons. You know, it's like, yeah, that's right. The titular line right there. Everybody has, uh, you know, there's just all these, like, normal people walking around, seemingly normal people walking around, but each of them has, like, this secret, you know, awesome skill and, like, great wisdom about themselves or whatever their personal trait and characteristic is. It's just all a bunch of very, you know, stealthy, secretive type of relationships, and as you learn more about each of these characters, it seems like it kind of... I'm gonna get all cliched here, but it un- it pulls another layer off the onion, and all of a sudden, the action and the and the happening in the movie is all just it's it's kind of evolved a little bit at that point. So it does seem like it kind of goes through phases a little bit.
3: Every character has a story, and all the action has a purpose.
0: It does. Uh, The purpose being, of course, to move the—well, actually, does the action really move the story along? It's really all of the talking that happens, the talking and what people are doing uh, between fights. That kind of, uh, you know, moves the story along. And then it seems like things come to a point where there's an action sequence and then that happens in a burst of those crazy, like, you know, Chinese timpani drums that really get your blood flowing And then all of a sudden it stops, and yeah, that's that's the power of the movie, or the music there.
3: Right. Uh, The action to me seems to either um, uh, reinforce relationships in the movie, or to cause conflict in relationships. You have some characters that are dying, but a lot of the action scenes are like just taking, I don't know, uh, a fight between friends up to 11, or... Um, right. You know, establishing that somebody is a student and somebody is a teacher, stuff like that.
0: Absolutely. Exerting dominance, um, or proving that your mastery of your skill is greater than your opponents. Basically. Um, I was wrong to say that the fights don't really accomplish everything because it seems like someone told like the green destiny changes hands at the end of like almost every fight. Um, well, I might have my facts a little wrong there, but, like, that Green Destiny gets passed around all over the place, um, based usually on the result of a fight that has just happened, essentially. Be- because the Green the green Destiny, of course, ha, huh, you watched the movie, right? The Green Destiny is the, I guess you would call it the epic heroic weapon, uh, that Limu Bai, uh, carries, it's like this super powerful, super sharp, green-bladed sword, and basically everybody's after it. The good guys want to protect it and keep it safe, and the bad guys want to steal it and use it. That kind of thing.
3: Although I think bad guys in this particular movie are are sort of, uh, there's not really, there's there's bitter people, there's <laughs> there's sad people, they're not bad, like, evil, like, I'm gonna use the green destiny and take over the world, you know? It's not that well, kind of
0: bad. Well, everybody wants it for a different reason or doesn't want it for a different reason, I guess. Um um like Limu Bai, it's his sword. He doesn't want it anymore. You know, he's used it to um find and bring criminals to justice his whole career and he's done with that now. Like like you said in your pitch, he wants to get with Shu Lin and I think she's te- she's tempted by it but she won't use it out of respect for her friend.
3: The other people who want it uh I mean Jen wants it because she's frankly she's a little brat.
0: <laughs> well, she's you just, know she's she's, she's very rebelling. powerful. She's she's rebelling. She's very powerful because she is studying the stolen, you know, martial arts manual from uh Wu Dong and yeah. Wu-Dang, which, incidentally, (laughs) that's incidentally where uh, the term Wu-Tang Clan comes from, by the way. There you go. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Um, And she, I think she thinks that the Green Destiny is what's going to be her, like, you know, that's going to be what kicks it up to 11 for her. You know, she's good now with a regular sword. She could be really good with the Green Destiny, according to her. You know, uh, the other bad guy is Jade Fox and that's uh like you said a a kind of a jaded unhappy woman who just wanted to you know she wanted to be one of the good guys but they wouldn't have her basically and so she decided Cause to because she was a woman because she was a woman right and uh she's the one who decided to kill Limu Bai's master steal the martial arts manual and try to be the best herself and she she I guess couldn't quite not quite cut the mustard she doesn't really want the sword though she just wants like to continue to get revenge on everybody basically
3: right she 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 was wronged and wants to take over the well not take over the world wants to take it out on everybody and doesn't really revenge is her only
0: goal well that's true but then again uh it seems like Revenge is the hero, Lee Mubai's, only goal, too. I mean, he's been following Jade Fox for who the heck knows how many years. It's probably decades. Um, yeah. Hell, maybe she's just trying to get the hell away from him. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> just put an end to him, finally, after, you know, decades of fighting, you know, because, like, she's been a target ever since then.
3: It it uh, does call into question, you know, who is good and who is bad. Um, In this instance, obviously... It seems like um, by the end of the movie, Li Mubai has a, a change of heart, especially dealing with um, Jen and how good she actually is. You know, he's like, oh, my God, this girl is so good. Okay, I can see why maybe women could be great swords people, um, even though, you know, uh, Xu Len is obviously a super great swords person and a martial artist in her own right. So he should have had that thought all along. And I don't know why maybe he wasn't like, hey, master, uh, this Jade Fox person, maybe you shouldn't, you know, maybe you should actually teach her,
0: you know, or something, but... <laughs> right. Well, I do get more of a, like, a, a peer uh, vibe from Limu Bai and Shu Lin, whereas I think Limu Bai is viewing Jen as a potential uh, disciple. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, which is something that he probably hasn't, you know, he's spent his whole life trying to avenge his master that, you know, he's like, hey, wait a minute. I could be the master.
3: All right. It, it's the one thing that is sort of like, it's tugging him the other way saying, hey, you know, maybe I shouldn't retire. Maybe I can be the master
0: now. Hmm? I can tell you who this movie thinks is a bad guy, though, and that is due to um, the use of poison. Uh, Jade Fox heavily uses poison as her fighting style, I guess you could say. Uh, poisoned needles, specifically. And poisoned weapons. The, Right, yeah, poison weapons. The use of poison in, um, I don't want to say Chinese culture as a whole, but maybe like in warrior tropes, Chinese warrior tropes, is that you're just a coward if you do that because you can't like fight with your own skill, basically. You're relying on a a, a trick, basically. Yeah, I think that's kind kind of of
3: worldwide. It's sort of the same thing. That's one thing that permeates uh, warrior culture.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You're not you're not uh, exerting your dominance over somebody through martial skill. You're like sneakily poisoning them, basically. So, um, but there's there's a lot of talk about poison in this movie, and of course, um, the main character Limu Bai dies when he gets one tiny little poison needle in his neck in the final battle, where he easily and handily defeats Jade Fox. Uh, you know. In a blaze of you know bladed glory, it's uh <laughs> it she didn't have a chance, but uh no <laughs> she didn't have a chance, but she could at least kill him you know in the end, basically right uh, using that using that poison, so yeah, um, and
3: at poison, he's talking about uh Jen becoming a poison dragon uh as he sees a girl who you know has the potential to be a good and great hero, like um he is widely considered to be. Um, But she's got lots of anger because she grew up as the governor's daughter in a shelter's lifestyle and really didn't get to do anything that she wanted. And now she's in this arranged marriage, and I hate you, Mom and Dad.
0: Yeah, and her desert nomad boyfriend wasn't good enough for her family, I guess. Exactly. Just because he killed all of their guards. No, And I think that's (laughs) something that any modern
3: modern, uh, teenager in general could probably relate to, just, geez, Mom and Dad, you don't
2: understand me.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, if they blow all their own, you know, problems out of proportion, I'm sure they could compare themselves to this situation, <laughs> certainly. Yeah, it's kind of like she's like Luke Skywalker, and she's got lots of potential, but she could. she's also prone to falling to the dark side, so...
3: Yeah, the the one character that doesn't seem to, you know, fit in the puzzle for me that much, and maybe, Pete, you have a better explanation of this... Is the desert bandit low? Yeah. Low
0: the scruffy the scruffy camel riding. No, he wasn't riding a camel. The scruffy desert nomad, you know uh whatever the hell he is, Mongolian or something.
3: Yeah, and he's just kinda cruising around doing his desert thing with his gang, and I understand that they, you know, basically look for caravans and they steal stuff and they live in the desert together and, you know, probably do okay. Mm-hmm. Jen basically gets mad that he steals her comb, and he's totally flirting with her from the very beginning. And oh, absolutely,
0: he's just yeah. playing with her.
3: Yeah, and so they have this little um, like play fight, somewhat serious, somewhat not. You know, where they have to sort of like gauge each other, like how serious are you taking this? Uh, how serious are you taking this? And it's kind of a back and forth thing. Other than that, sort of uh, amplified meat cute. Um <laughs> I really didn't understand what he was f- for.
0: Um probably just to god uh, if I had to guess just to kind of play devil's advocate to her arranged marriage which you know she could have been The story could have just been that she didn't want to marry some guy that she was arranged to marry. She wanted to be a freaking, you know, martial artist, you know, uh, roving swordsman. But yeah, he's in there. So for better or for worse, uh, it it is a subplot that seems a little incongruous to the rest of the story. But um, it does end up, uh, I guess, garnering a decent amount of screen time because that flashback where they meet and... I can't tell if at that point she's got any skill at all. Yeah, it's a long time. It's a very long time. And then later in the movie, he comes back. Um, Here's something I don't get. Yeah, he urges her to go back with her family where he knows she has an arranged marriage. But then he sneaks back to find her and says, don't go through with your arranged marriage. It's like, well, why didn't you just, you know, like not let her go back in the first place? But eh, whatever. She's totally
3: like, yeah, we should settle down in these mountains. And he's like, nah. Uh, you should go back you know jump off yeah, of the mountain
0: <laughs> that's right yeah yeah he he who the hell knows it's just a booty call at the time but mm-hmm. um no he ends up you know like attacking the wedding party and and uh Mubai and uh, uh, Shulin are like, well, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to do what's best for Jen, don't get killed. Here's a thought. But then he goes up to, he goes to hang out at uh, the mountaintop for her at the temple, Mm -hmm. um, where he remains for the, the remainder of his story, essentially, and only at the end. It's like when every other conflict in the movie has been resolved finally jen and lo can go to Budang and be together except for she kills herself immediately at the end well it's it's questionable whether she
3: actually dies or if she flies off like uh, like in the little story that he told which you know maybe that's his entire function is to tell that story and then you know she's feeling sad about all the shit she does so she makes a wish that everybody's happy and jumps off the mountain i don't know
0: that could very well be again it was one of those things um trying to think of back to a movie a movie that we've done in the past where like you know there's an element that could have easily been done away with with just a, a little bit of rewriting and 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 this could have been that way too although um before we criticize the movie too much for that it is worth saying that this movie is based on a old um like a, a classic chinese romance novel basically um where this low character i don't know much about the the book but this low character very well could have been a a focal point that they couldn't just write out
3: well i mean the the other thing and playing devil's advocate to my own question it could be just that uh, this low character was to i don't know make us sympathize with jen a bit more because let's face it i one thing i noted in my notes throughout the uh time i was watching it the first
0: time was i think jen's kind of an asshole oh yeah definitely No, no, certainly she is. She, uh, yeah, and I, I get, yeah, low perhaps is more of a humanizing element for her because otherwise she's just, uh, uh, you know, impetuous, um, you know, bullying. Spoiled brat? Spoiled brat, yeah, right. Nowhere is that more, um, is that more. Well, I mean, she just does it throughout the entire movie.
3: Yeah, whether she's, like, you know, biting the hand that feeds her uh, literally with her, like, parents and stuff like that, uh, or biting the hand that feeds her with, uh, you know, basically saying, "Eh, you know, Jade Fox, you kind of suck. I I didn't learn shit from you. I haven't since I was 11,
2: you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Shulin, who wants to be her friend, and she just, you know... Rewards her with assholery, basically. Right. Oh, and stealing yes. the sword that she's supposed to be protecting. I mean, just, you know, well, taking Xu... something that's not hers, essentially.
3: Right, and Shu Lin is, is very much,
0: um, you know,
3: uh,
0: playing the older sister role here. Even at that point in time, I don't think that they're trying to... Dis- they do end up having one of the, uh, um, I guess you'd call, like, uh, capstone fights of this film but it, i don't think they're trying to destroy each other they're matching their skill you know they're they're trying to see who's the best it's jerky because uh shulin's done nothing but try and help her uh you know with her with her boyfriend low and all that other crap and even with that you know she's still she's still in cahoots with the bad guy so again this movie is made up of key fight scenes and so we may as well bring up another one well it's made up of dialogue and drama and and plot development. Punctuated with key fight scenes and the one where Jen is at her most dickishness is where she's at the restaurant or bar or whatever it is and she just, you know, people are just like, hey, I heard you're like a master at martial arts, why don't you uh, show us something and she proceeds to just take the entire place apart with her sword, like, and destroy the structure and give everybody a good thumping, uh, and some bloody eyes and noses and stuff like that. So, yeah, right. It's she just like she because hits she people could. with the
3: side of that sword a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, she did. She did. Or, you know, like, you know, cutting them across the face and stuff like that. You know, more more uh, disfiguring things and that kind of thing. So, you know, uh, just just to be a jerk, I guess, just because she could essentially. I thought it was one of the most fun fights. But yes, at the you're also like,
2: God, she's an asshole yeah
3: no i
0: agree there there was a uh i think there was a, a light-hearted note to that fight scene even though you know the, the people getting their asses handed to them probably weren't so happy well yeah
3: they they purposefully the writer you know purposefully was like oh let's do the guys with the the huge um you know weighted uh, i don't know what those are called but
0: yeah, the, you know, the huge clubs and just basically a bunch of war- like it's it's a warrior hangout and so she's you know
3: yeah and they are a bunch of like schmucky warriors too I mean yeah like right the guys yeah,
0: the guys with self inflated you know self uh, like self worth you know that kind of thing
3: you could yeah they're the kind of guys that you would spe- you know hear a bunch of stories from and then somebody walks in and punches them out with one punch you know
0: yeah they're they're bros they hang out at the gym and they're like yeah my name's Iron Wrist I'm pretty yes, kickass. Exactly. <laughs> and then a girl beats exactly. him. <laughs> yeah, I could bench like three fifty.
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> and the end of that fight, fight scene after she's gone, when Li Mubai and Shu Lin come over, they're like, uh, "What happened?" And like, then they just become the most whiny. Uh, yeah. She was
0: so rude, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, uh, uh, "Oh, we were just minding our own business when she sucker punched all of us." right (laughs) basically and they're like "Uh the only person
3: i can really feel sorry for in that room because they kind of kind of like i guess asked for it was uh the restaurant owner who's just
0: like oh (laughs) my my restaurant is destroyed but yeah yeah it's not like any of those guys were like you know virtuous characters they were all you know people you wouldn't mind seeing getting their butts kicked
3: i think one theme of this movie is like consequences every character's actions have consequences so if we go down that path the most obvious uh uh, consequences probably happen to jen
0: yeah she's got 99 problems but they're all of her own causing (laughs) yeah and she is the bitch in that story it's true she um i don't know if it's all about choices that she's made but certainly she's made some bad ones and as a result she um ends up in situations or you know short on friends basically
3: or causing somebody else to die
0: <laughs> yeah right lying stealing asshole. By, by which you mean Lee Mubai's death is essentially her fault? That's what I'm getting at. Well, it, it was, but it, you have to remember at this point, uh, Jade Fox had fully turned against Jen and in fact was poisoning her to keep her, you know, sedated in her cave. I think by the time the end of the movie rolls around, Mubai and, and Shulin are essentially on a rescue mission, I think, to try and get her. Because again, Lee Mubai thinks she's, she's Good, you know, pupil material, essentially. So she's she's going to be... She needs to be rescued from her poisonous influence.
3: Well, wasn't, uh, wasn't Jade Fox coming back to kill Jen?
0: Jade Fox realized that Jen um, not only was surpa- surpassing her in skill, but was hiding that fact from her. And uh, Jen was starting to get all too big for her britches with her, pretty much. And so she really resented the fact that... Um, that that was the case and I think her her plan was yes, that she was gonna give her the old poison needle treatment.
3: That's her thing, I guess.
0: Yeah, hey, hey man, if you've got a if you got a shtick, uh stick with it. Especially when you're like a very two-dimensional character.
3: So yeah, at the end of the movie, the only one that you really know s-
0: two people that you know survived are are Lin and uh Lo. Yeah, that's the only definite people. Uh <laughs> Shulin, of course, going on to reprise her role in the second movie that we're not talking about. But, um, yeah. Um, Yeah, not too many people live to fight another day in this movie. This is one of those, like, battles of attrition, I guess, where, like, pretty much everybody's gonna die at the end. I was mentioning to you, Mike, that in. Uh, this is from my sister-in-law who lived in China and saw a lot of movies during that time and said that a common theme in that medium of storytelling is that if you die in a movie, you deserve it, basically. And if you're, like, good and just, you'll live, like, at the end. So, like, whoever's dead at the end is was a, a not-good person for whatever reason, and whoever lived was a good one, sort of. And, hmm. um... I think that that's, it's tr- true that uh, especially Shu um, Lin seems to be a character who is almost completely without fault. I mean, she's selfless. She um, is okay with the fact that Li Mu Bai basically um, squandered his life on revenge instead of you know doing the right thing and getting with her, basically. Um, even at right. the <laughs> end, she's trying to help the character who's been nothing but an ass to her the whole time yeah she's just kind of she's like a white knight basically um virtuous very virtuous character, a paladin <laughs> yes, yes, whereas Lee <laughs> Mubai, who we consider to be like the ultimate good guy of this movie, he does die at the end and he's killed um he's killed by that poisonous needle, and perhaps that was a result directly of his um uh uh van- his uh overconfidence that he could defeat Jade fox, which certainly he did um but also just the fact that he, instead of doing the right thing, instead of living the life he was supposed to with Shu Lin, he spent 20 or 30, we don't know how many years, just, uh, you know, seeking um, revenge, masquerading as as justice to all of these criminals and that kind of thing, when really his one goal in life was just kind of like a, a suicide revenge mission, I guess, uh, what it what it amounted to, so... Make of hmm. that what you will. Make of that what you will. Even at the end, with his dying breath, he's saying that he did it all wrong. He spent his life doing one thing when he, his heart really wanted to do the other thing, basically.
3: Jens is probably more obvious, then, uh, if
0: we're going that route. Um, we do. Then she again, she probably dies. She probably, she. I mean, I don't know. It depends on what you're willing to, uh, what conclusion your mind can draw of that. Right. She
3: doesn't appear in the sequel, so...
0: yeah, There you go. Although she was approached, so I don't know if we can take that as anything.
3: Her sins are very laid bare, just kind of basically being an asshole and, you know, causing the destruction of all these people's lives. And at the end of the day, um, she's the one who finally realizes all that guilt for all these other things, these events that she's set forth. And so she jumps off the mountain. So.
0: But wait, why did Jade Fox have to die?
3: I don't know if we need to explain that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that was probably when we were going to gloss over. All right, so I don't know. That's just one theory of, I guess, we could be general and say Asian filmmaking, although I happen to know Japan and Korea have very distinct cinematic traditions that maybe that doesn't apply to.
3: Well, I don't know. I mean, I had gotten. I asked people on, uh, on Twitter today um, um, some things that we want to talk about, and uh, there was some 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 funny responses, like talking about uh, how does this relate to Beverly Hills Ninja.
0: Oh, they're like the same movie.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and somebody said that we need to talk about uh, you know Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or else we'll be sued for false advertising. But the one question that was actually a serious response is was uh, from uh, at Craig Hart. He was asking, "Does a wizard?" does a western education perspective change the viewing experience am i missing cultural details
0: i I think that a western education definitely gives you just a different perspective about life most likely and also we have a different set of values than what would be considered traditional chinese values that being said so like when you watch a a movie uh a, a Chinese movie things are going to be you're going to get something different out of it than a a native Chinese audience well that being said we said it before this movie was targeted at western audiences and as such they um put some effort into expanding the uh the female roles in this movie because really it's it's very uh the action is heavily driven by the the Three main female roles in the movie, um, which I, I think might have been an artifact of this movie project and not necessarily the book uh, that it's based on.
3: And I think, you know, they, they did a good, they did a decent job of trying to um, hone in on themes that are, that are universal. Uh, you know, the Warriors thing about poison being bad, about a student finding a teacher, about a teacher finding a student, you know, things like
0: that. Right, even though even though the setting is exotic, you know, to us it uh, has kind of a familiar feel, uh, at least as far as the plot and the theme goes. So, with just enough um, of a foreign, you know, je ne sais quoi to keep it interesting. Western audiences and Eastern audiences have different upbringings and um, uh, relate to different things and, and expect different things from their storytelling. And this is kind of a mixture.
3: That's going to manifest no matter what kind of uh, medium that you're approaching, whether it's uh, um, you know these kind of movies, or if you're into anime, or Korean cinema. Certainly. Uh, and I've dipped my toe in, in all of those, and there are some things that you just don't get until like somebody explains it to you, maybe that come from that culture, or is just uh, more experienced with it, and things like that, and you just... You know, you can learn to 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 appreciate some of these things um, just by trying to experience them and and talking about them. Yeah,
0: you know what I always liked. Um, anime fan here, you too, Mike, I, I believe. Um, some yep. some fan subs that you can find um, b- before a, a product is licensed. Of, licensed, of course. Uh, some fan subs for animes that come out. I like it when they will. Um, give an explanation for what it is that's happening. Like, they'll often say something like a festival name or some sort of a term that's an idiom or something like that, and the lazy uh, subtitler will just, you know, translate it, whereas the dedicated subtitler will tell you what that thing is and give a brief cultural explanation of it. And, of course, you hit pause at that point and read the paragraph they've written. But um, that's just really... um, The kind of thing i'm looking for when i'm watching a foreign film from any country basically i want to kind of try as you know as as much as i can in a superficial amount of time to just really understand the nuance that i'm being presented with and what what it means on, on a somewhat deeper cultural level so i like it when they do that we didn't get that here um But I don't know if that was necessarily needed for this movie because this was a pretty cut and dry, like kind of a heroic tale, really. Like a set of fables or something. This is a fairy tale, certainly. Do we want to talk about the wire work or the sword play or anything like that, or just uh, we could? Oh yeah, I suppose we should. We can at least note that wire work was something that maybe hadn't been seen by a wide audience, uh, a wider audience. At the time that this movie came out, and I understand there was some wire work, I, I forgot about the Matrix that kind of thing. I remembered being absolutely wowed by that when it first came out. Uh, what did you think about it on this viewing? Um, I thought
3: that it was still uh, pretty good. It was on purposely, and this is I'm saying it's on purpose because I think it was on purposely like floaty and mystical, you know, as they were like traipsing around you know rooftops or. Um, sort of flying. It's sort of meant to be like fever dreamy and stuff. When you're they're like in the bamboo trees. What you're saying is like it's that.
0: it's lacking a certain quality of realism, right? And I I, I think that kind of goes with the whole that this is a fairy tale theme right well and you know these characters are like geez it's been a while since i played D and D, but these are like the epic legendary you know like skill level people you know like i'm standing on top of a what is that When they they fight in this forest of like super bendy like poplar trees or something like that obviously could never be done that's
3: what it is yeah yeah
0: um like, like just that, yeah. standing on the tip of a tree that would bend in half if you touched it, basically. Yeah, I thought um when I saw it this time, like I w- went that very first fight scene where they're like running up the sides of walls and like across rooftops and stuff like that and doing like triple kick flips and stuff like that. I seem to remember that looking a lot more like, wow, that looks really awesome when I first saw it and this time it was more just like you called it had you called it mystical and otherworldly which is a nice way of of saying what I will say sloppy kind of sloppy it was very novel at the time and I think we've seen a lot better um examples of wire work with some of the movies that have you know come to pass after this one a lot of the like like House of Flying Daggers and that kind of thing while maybe the storytelling wasn't you know the greatest thing in the whole world I thought that they really played up the the special effects martial arts uh, wire work to a more uh, competent level in those films it's interesting that your take on it was that they purposely did that to give it kind of a dream a dreamscape type of a feel to it which is is uh, I guess that's incredibly or entirely valid
3: Yeah, I could be wrong <laughs> I am I may be a little nice. I don't know. It's, but you could be right. It's certainly Let's go not with that. A, it's not tight, and I don't know if it was intended to be tight. Um, even even your fights on the ground, um, they have their moments of, like, super tight. But m- kind of it's laid-back fighting style. It's not, like, uh, brutal. I don't, you know, I'm not expecting. You see a couple times that people get cut, for right. example. But other than that... It's not like out and out, like uh, they're doing every martial arts trick in the book. And then, you know, at the end of it, these people are bruised. Whereas if you look at, I don't know, The Matrix, because it's the same era, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these fights with, like between Agent Smith and Neo, yeah, there's a lot of wire work, right? But it's all very tight quarters. It's inside. It's um, at the end of it, you know, uh, they're winded and, and stuff like that and you know, there's bruises and things like that. It's more so, visceral, whereas this, and is, even though yeah. it's in a virtual reality scape, yeah,
0: I hear you. I hear you. Certainly, no. This, this, um, <clears throat> this movie, uh, *Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon*, is is surprisingly not graphic. Um, you know, it's not overly violent, other than some sword play. It's mostly sword on sword, so no big deal there. I guess some dude does get a weird spiky Chinese weapon in his skull. But other than that, there's not a lot of violence. It looked pretty
3: fakey, I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, it did, <laughs> certainly. I was showing my son some of the fight scenes in this movie because I was just like, hey, look, people clanging swords together in a very, you know, flippy, like, you've never seen anything like this uh, before type of... <laughs> well, obviously, you haven't seen a lot of things at two years old. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. He was, he was intrigued that scene where they were running up and down the walls and stuff like that. He, he liked that. He thought that that was cool. So. And then immediately tried it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did. He was like, let's see if I can dive off the couch. Note, he couldn't. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he failed at know. that one, but, um, he won't be trying that again, I'm sure. So, I don't know. It, it definitely has appeal the way that they shot the film and it, it is, uh, Remains a visually impressive film, I will say.
3: All right, so with that, we're going to go into the verdict after a short break. So now we are at the moment that you've all been waiting for, the time for the verdict of this movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon sacred? Bovinus Sanctorum? Or (laughs) should it be put out to pasture? bovinus excommunicado all right so who's going first on this sword fight you for it okay ting 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 ting
0: ting oh i've been cut but my wire work has whisked me to safety so uh like i, I don't know i can do it i think you went first last time <laughs> so i would be happy to go first this all time. right that works okay so, like I said, I've watched this movie a lot. Um, there must be a reason why I keep watching this movie, um, and that is because I think that it is sacred. So, yeah, this viewing of the movie did not change my mind about the movie. It is still one of the great martial art movies that I've seen before this one. I mean, like, maybe it's just because I always watch cheap 70s, you know, produced on a dime, uh, kung fu movies with like hokey voiceovers and stuff like that but before this movie they all were like that and then this came along and it just kind of revolutionized the genre and brought it to the mainstream it works as a movie it works as a, a hallmark of the genre and it's just telling that everything in Western cinema even started trying to capture, you know, the spirit of this movie, the wirework, the eastern swordplay. It became very popular for a time after this movie. Um, And this even forced other eastern movies to up the ante a little bit to, um, you know, just uh, produce more and more uh, impressive visual masterpieces. So, I mean, this movie's sacred. It's not perfect. It's got pace problems, like we mentioned before and i again think the wire work does not look as good as it did in the year 2000 when i first saw it but it's sacred as a martial arts film and it is sacred as what it's surely going to just be one of the cinematic classics in general so mike what do you say to that
3: oh god pete well i have to tell you that uh, i think this is so far uh going to be my contrarian season whoa (laughs) show as much mm, rope as i was giving willing to give it in uh when we were talking about the you know deep dive i don't consider it sacred and and the reason is while it did okay a good job of of uh, uh you know uh, getting people interested in wire work, getting people interested in more complex stories and things like that. I think that the things that came after it did it way better. And also, taking those out of the equation completely, uh, My my watch through, the first time when I was paying ultra super attention to it, I was bored. I frankly, I was bored in this movie and I didn't expect it, you know, as much as um you know there was some fight scenes i thought well that's interesting there was a lot of we talked about it before pacing issues and for me the pacing issues really drug it down i can see where this movie would be great if we cut it down by i don't know 20 minutes um not saying cut any one particular get part rid to 20 of minutes low. But i'm saying could get rid of low uh, Uh, the ending doesn't make any sense if you don't get rid of low under, unless it's like a five minute flashback, you know? Um, (laughs) but yeah, it was, to me, it was, I got bored. I got, I didn't, it's just like, there's a, there's a lot of, of things that didn't matter to me as much as, um, as, as I thought it would. And uh, that was the thing. The second time I had a better experience because I wasn't paying that much attention, you know, comparatively, it was just refreshing it to make sure it was fresh in my mind for us to talk about it here. And to me, that was more enjoyable, was having it on as background noise. And they're like, oh, there's cool fight. Okay, bye. You <laughs> know, uh, I understand it's important, much the way The Shining, um, which I was completely surprised by that verdict, uh, is important. Uh, I don't feel like... Um, if you're not a super fan of the genre, you necessarily need to see it compared to some of the other movies that have came
0: after it or way before. I'm just so angry I can't even speak. No. Really? If you have to see, <laughs> if you have to see one kung fu movie, watch Enter the Dragon by Bruce Lee. If you have to see two, oh, uh- watch this one. That's my thought. That's my. Thought. I don't
3: disagree with with Enter the Dragon. I, I would never even question that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn, which means no Enter the Dragon. I know I've
3: seen that soon. one way more times than this.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and um, and and they're definitely two very different movies from very different eras with very different target audiences and 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 all that kind of thing. I I can't help but wonder if my verdict on The Shining would have been different if I'd had any sort of history with the movie. Um, you know nostalgia can die pretty hard this movie i've seen many many times and i just i felt like nostalgia whatever it 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 still worked for me but then again i do very much still like this style of um storytelling and this this well i didn't say it was a bad movie no 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 certainly
3: um i I said it was a movie that could be shorter and i
0: (laughs) not required viewing that's what i heard that's what i that's what i'm saying (laughs) Well, okay, okay. You know what? You know, I respect your verdict because I know that you uh, like harmony, and um, this—it was probably difficult to make the decision to create utter discord between us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
3: I I didn't. I didn't make the decision in a vacuum. I honestly thought about it, and it's like, oh man, it's you know. It's one of those, this is kind of a sliding scale, man. It's always a sliding scale. And it's easier to to pick when we have three people. And I was still surprised by The Shining when we had three people who agreed. Yeah, that never happens. It's a sliding scale for me. And if we, um, you know, I'm trying to be consistent with, uh, you know, things I've thought in other movies. And honestly, if The Shining doesn't get it, then to me, this doesn't either, you know.
0: Sure. All right. Well, I guess this movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, is 2016's uh, National Lampoon Vacation in that we failed to reach consensus on it. It is neither sacred nor unsacred. It could be just
3: like 2015's uh, National Lampoon's Vacation where uh, one of us ends up changing our mind and flipping and uh, then it changes categories during our year in review episode, but you'll have to keep listening until that happens yeah, in order yeah. to
0: find out. Who knows? I'm going to make Mike watch this movie every week until he loves it. Pacing be damned. Oh, God. Let's
3: talk about a clockwork <laughs> orange.
0: Don't worry. I'll make the uh, I'll make the <laughs> Mike cut of the movie where it's just the fight scenes and no low, and um, all of the dialogue will be very summarized. <laughs> it's a 45-minute it's a movie. I can't beat that. Okay, I uh, stop it. I know I'm mischaracterizing <laughs> you know I love your breaking bad, but only man. For that's like a relief.
3: six. that's a 62-hour movie.
0: So Right. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, why don't we leave it at that? Anyway.
2: <laughs>
0: all right, let's let's get
3: to the wrap up. All right, so that has been our review of the 2000 movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, any final notes or digs at me? <laughs> no, I've said everything I need to say. Then I think it's time to to, to talk about our... Feelings. Uh, next couple oh, episodes. Oh, no, next couple episodes.
0: All right. That, What's coming up for Sacred Cows next, Mike?
3: Uh, for the next episodes of Sacred Cows, we're going out of Oscar-winning territory and into uh, Bat- more Batman's. Batman territory again. <laughs> you know, there's been talk on on our Twitter stream and, and, and in chat rooms and things I've been in just like, Hey, uh, you guys reviewed Batman, you know, when are you going to get to the rest of them and, uh, maybe make a shoe mockery out of oh, things you know as we well. Will.
0: you know, we will. <laughs> um, almost certainly. So, uh, and, and pending any hexes or, or any other, uh, Stuff I will be present for those Batman movies in all their glory.
3: So our next episode after this that releases on six one will be Batman Returns with special guest uh, Alex Cater, A.K.A. Happy Puke. Woo! That you may know from his S H uh, U podcasts and uh, other shows that he's been on. So that'll be fun. And he also is the one who designed our logo. And then we've also got on six fifteen. Uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin double feature episode featuring Josh from Cthulhu and Friends. That's Josh Gentry at at It's Probably Josh. He's been on before. He
0: has, and that's going to be a real treat. Not necessarily because we have to watch the Schumacher films, but because Josh is a cool guy.
3: We will probably be making lots of fun of these movies because I'm (laughs) guessing they're not necessarily going to stand the test of time, but we may find otherwise.
0: We'll, uh, We'll have to find out. So Maybe those hyper-sensationalized toy commercials that they masqueraded as movies will have aged well. Who knows? Peeking a little bit forward past then, um, we've got
3: an episode on Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, and then a new Ghostbusters panel coming out shortly after that movie comes out. Um, more details on those as we get closer, but uh just like the panel we had for Force awakens, we've got some all star guests from other podcasts uh lined up, and so we're just working out the final details with that, and we'll be able to share it with you as soon as we can. It's gonna be super awesome, yeah, you've got the next one, two, three, four five
0: six seven movies We've got our whole futures planned out for us. God, none of us better get sick, <laughs> no kidding, no more hexes. Please. So
3: uh, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Sacred Cows Pod. That's at Sacred Cows Pod. Please send us your thoughts on any of this and you know, tell us what would you do to break the tie. It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on whether Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon is sacred or not. Um, we'd also would take your submission on that subject via our email address. That's sacred at hero dot com. Again, sacred cows at herooftheweb.com. And, you know, anything else you want to talk about, if you want to give us movie suggestions on either of those channels, if you want to tell us just how wonderful we are, um, anything, you know, we'll take it. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Whitemorph. Uh, Pete, how's the Twitter getting Um, going? You know,
0: I actually received some feedback that... Um People want me to get Twitter, and that I found that very, very surprising because I thought, who gives a shit if I've got Twitter or not? But apparently, you do. Um, and that has moved me not to action because clearly I don't have a Twitter account yet, but has moved me to consider stepping up my time frame for getting a Twitter account. Um, and so, Ooh. yes, that has become that has gone from being a question mark to a hopefully soon time frame. Thank you for your interest. Okay. Well, uh, you watch Pete. As soon as you get Twitter, you'll probably have more followers than me. But, yeah, right. I'll be like, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? They'll be <laughs> like, we don't want to follow this. <laughs> oh, All right. So uh, that's it. So any any final voids? Um, no, just that um, I'm still seething with Rage. About our no, you know what, you know what, we shouldn't, we shouldn't part ways angry, Mike. I respect your decision about Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon, and I hope you can respect mine. So
3: yes, I'm in, I'm entitled to my wrong opinion, or vice versa.
0: Absolutely, and I'm entitled to my right one. So, and I'd love to hear what our fans (laughs) think about our listeners. Uh, Calling you fans was presumptuous. I'd like to hear what our listeners have to say about this, too. Please vindicate me, everybody.
3: Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you next time.
0: Catch you for all the Batman action next time. Batman. Batman.